Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. John, we have a great show lined up for this morning, as usual. You know, we're going to start off talking about the keys to curbing medical expenses. You know, this is a big issue for people. I mean, medical has just gone up at an unsustainable pace. But there are some ways you can save money and you can you can curb expenses. We've talked about medical insurance here a couple months ago, and uh, this is taking a little different approach. So you want to stay tuned for this. This is very, very important. Yeah, and then we're going to follow up uh, that conversation with talking about retirement savings and, and what to do when you're a little behind or maybe your retirement savings is running short. A couple of different strategies that you can uh, take a look at to um, to make your savings last a little bit longer. Yeah, that is a great topic, so we want to stick around for that. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a lot of a lot of goodies out there. And in addition to the podcast, we have some uh, some videos that we've recorded over the last couple of months. We also have some uh, pretty cool tools. Um, you know, Josh has created a pretty neat uh, retirement calculator. Yeah, go out there and look at your retirement plan, um, kind of high level, and some other tools as well. We also have a Facebook page that we post uh, a weekly video. Uh, go check that out. And uh, Matthew's tweeting daily. So if you're not following the Money Doctors on Twitter, he's got some really good tips he's putting out, um, you know, going forward. So check that out. Yeah, a lot of resources out there on our website and our uh, Facebook and Twitter account. So uh, you can reach us by email, too. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net, or you can link to us off our website, moneymd.net. Well, John, you know, we've we got a big weekend coming up here. with. Uh, yes, we do. With football, don't we? A lot of games going on. There is. Clemson's going out to uh, Texas to play Texas A&M. Yeah, that'll be the first real test. Big, big game. And, and we have the Bulldogs coming in to Williams-Price. That will be interesting for you guys. Yeah. Ouch. Ouch. It's you? tough, tough, tough. But, you know, this I think this is a time of the year to, to catch Georgia. You know, they've true. got a lot of changes in, in their, uh, um, particularly on their defense. So if yep. we're going to catch them and, and have a chance to beat them, second game of the year is Sounds yeah, good to I me. think I think you know the the Gamecocks may be the sleeper team this year. Yeah, you never we'll know. see. Well, you after this know. weekend, it'll, a lot a lot will be known after that, that. That's true. It'll it'll become a lot more apparent. So that'll be fun. We're going to start off here though with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the Census Bureau, and and Steve, you know, we were talking about this. This is a, a really interesting statistic, and my guess is Dave Ramsey's had some uh, influence on this because he's a big proponent of this. Three out of every uh, eight homeowners, about thirty eight percent of uh, America. They own their home free and clear without any debt. That's about 30 million debt-free homeowners um, out of about 78. So wow. that's very impressive. That's a good number, you know. I mean, three out of eight. I wouldn't have thought it would have been quite that many, but uh, I, I assume the majority of those are retirees. And that's the position you want to be in. You know, when you're approaching retirement, when you get to retirement, you want to be totally debt-free, including your mortgage, so set yourself up for that. You know, take out a 15-year loan. Mm -hmm. Don't refinance it and stretch it back out. Or if you do refinance it, stretch it, you know, knock it down to 10 um, or amortize it over the number of years you have left. And make sure you make those payments and get that paid off for good. 
that's a great place to be. You have much more flexibility in retirement, a um, lot more security if your home's totally paid for. So. Yeah, that's a great, great uh, goal to strive for. It is. So good fact of the week. All right, and that leads up to our first topic here, and that is the key to curb medical expenses. This is an article out of uh, CNBC that it's based off of. Uh, Darla uh, Mercado, I think, or Mercado, Mercado, I guess. <laughs> Darla. Yeah, I tell you, Darla, yeah, she wrote a good article. Anyway, and this is what it's based off of. But, John, you know, there's some interesting facts when it comes to medical costs. Um, among patients who choose an in-network facility, nearly 20% of hospital admissions includes include a bill from an out-of-network provider. Hmm. So even though you choose a network facility, there's going to be some out-of-network stuff in there, one out of five chance. Also, more than 20 states now have legislation to protect users from out-of-network costs that can run into thousands of dollars, but most people don't know their rights about that. So, you know, it's something to be learned here. And, um, you know, will you practice... Will your practice take your insurance? That's the wrong question to ask your doctor. Um, you need to ask them, you know, will all of the, all mm-hmm. of the, everybody in the, in the practice take your network, uh, your insurance. Um, when it comes to staving off the skyrocketing cost of medical cost, having insurance is only half the battle. And that's because cost sharing, the expenses that you cough up in the form of deductibles, co-payments, and co-insurance, they've been increasing rapidly in your employer plans according to the Kaiser Foundation so you got to worry about all the co-payments and everything because that's becoming a lot bigger issue and the foundation recently analyzed medical bills from large employer plans and they found that nearly 1 in 5 inpatient hospital admissions include a claim from an out of network provider so the hospitals are really bad about that you have to watch you know all the uh, anesthesiologists and stuff that they use that aren't in your network and the cost difference can be very significant. When you go to an in-network doctor, doctors and facilities that are in-network have agreed with your plan in first set price. But when you go to an out-of-network, um, the expense, they usually only cover a partial partial of it, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 50%. And you're left with the, the balance, which can be huge. So you have to be aware of that. Even going to an in-network facility won't necessarily keep your you're you from encountering the out of network costs more than 15% of in network inpatient admissions used an in network facility they still wound up with a claim from an out of network provider so anyway so those are some of the problems you're going to encounter so here are four tips to help you become more empowered as a patient and to prepare you to contest the unreasonable um, high bills that you're probably going to encounter. Yeah, and the <clears throat> the cost goes up. It seems like fifteen to twenty percent every year. Yeah, um, I don't that's know right. about you, but that's what I see. So it's number crazy. one, number one here on the the list is understand your coverage. Know what the policy covers, including the details on the out of pocket maximums, the deductibles, the co insurance. You know, get familiar with your state laws against balance billing. That's a practice in which insurers only partially, partly cover an out-of-network cost and leave the consumers to pay the remainder, which can be thousands of dollars depending on what kind of procedure that you had. More than 20 states have some kind of legislation on the books to protect consumers from this balance billing, and that's according to the Commonwealth Fund. So when you're admitted to the hospital in the event of an emergency, right on all of your paperwork, 
um, you know, that which will only permit in the in-network here. Make sure you understand what's covered and what's not covered. Be sure to take a photo of the document or make a copy of it so you can have some uh, documentation for later conversations. That's right. So once you get the bill, you know, if they charge you for out-of-network care, um, have your ammunition, have everything in order, and have your paperwork, as you mentioned. The next key here is to ask the right questions. You know, um, for instance, ambulances, if they're parked outside the emergency room at the Good Samaritan Hospital in San Jose, California, you know, I mean, you have to recognize that, uh, you know, it's it's going to be expensive. You don't want to go to the facility in an ambulance if you don't have to. You have to ask them, will they take my insurance? That isn't, that's it. not enough to head off the out-of-network charge. When you're making an appointment, don't ask if you're covered under the plan. They say everyone will take your insurance um, is what they'll usually say, but that's not necessarily the case. So your doctor's office, they may accept your insurance, but they won't spare you from a surprise when the bill later shows up, um, you know, as with an out-of-network charge. So the correct question to ask your doctor or the receptionist is, are you in my network? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the you key. Know, that's the key. Are they really in your network? Not will they take your insurance? So be sure to to document who gave you the answer to that uh, question and the date so that you can be prepared to fight if the bill shows up otherwise. Yeah, you also have to speak up when your doctor recommends certain tests and prescriptions. And um, you can just ask the question, is the testing facility in network? Or are the doctors evaluating the test in network? And once you get the bill, if they charge you for an out-of-network care, you at least have some ammunition that you can go back and, and dispute it. And don't be shy about asking your doctor for an explanation if he or she recommends that you undergo a test. Um, you know, Learn more about the test and find out how the results will affect the approach to the treatment. So you just have to be, I guess, an informed and educated consumer. Exactly. You know, and if you can't get a clear answer to that question, then you have to ask yourself, is the test really necessary? Um, so finally, to curb the cost on prescriptions, um, ask whether your medication is covered under your plan and if it's if there's a cheaper version available. Sometimes it's cheaper to pay cash for your medication than to claim it on your insurance. So ask about the cash price for the medication. Um, and she suggested also here in the article, digging up the drug price information on goodrx.com and then comparison shop. So shop your drugs, even though your your network um, prescription price, you know, may get you a discount. It still may not be as cheap as you can get on GoodRx.com or some other place. Mm-hmm. So check for that. So know your benefits and the risk and how long that you'll be on the medication and what the alternatives to the medication prescribed are, because there may be some cheaper alternatives. So next question here is our next key here is to check for alternative facilities. Yeah, a few years ago, you know, John, I was scheduled for an outpatient surgery, and I was asked by the surgeon's office if we wanted to have it at the surgical center in town or if we wanted to do it at the hospital. Um, and I didn't realize that there was that this was really a trick question, you know, and they made no mention of there being a cost difference. <clears throat> so, you know, I said, I don't know, but I'll get back to them. So we called both facilities. We inquired about the cost of having the procedure at the facility, and they acted like we were kind of crazy for asking that question. Yeah, I've had that response. Have you? Yeah. Yes. It's like, really? They're like, eh, we can't tell you, you know. And so they kind Secret. of, they kind of uh, you know. Offended almost. Uh, yeah, they were kind of batting around like, you know, we can't tell you how much it's going to cost ahead of time. 
you know, but finally when we persisted, they got us to the business office and they got us to a person that could answer that question because it was a very routine type procedure, right? And so to my shock, it was about twice as expensive at the hospital as it was going to be at the surgical center. Right. I mean, we we're talking thousands of dollars. So, of course, I chose a surgical center, ended up, you know, saving thousands of dollars, you know, I mean, had the same same surgeon. Um, so there was no quality difference. So you need to ask if there's an alternative procedures or facilities that could save you a lot of money. You know, don't assume that the doctor is going to recommend the cheapest facility because, you know, they they just they don't think about those things. I mean, that's cost is not really on their radar for most of the doctors. Um, so they're not automatically going to recommend the lowest cost genetic med- generic medicine either. So you need to ask those questions. Yeah, it seems like these surgical centers are, you know, a lot quicker and yep. they're newer. <laughs> um, so we've had to use some of those recently. And, and uh, yeah, that's a great suggestion. Make sure you uh, check that out. And the cost piece out, the cost question is amazing. They they. They don't give you that information. They don't want to give it. There's no, there's no price transparency. I, you know, now this is my bandwagon. I, I I feel like it needs to be legislated that they have price transparency. Yeah, I agree. Give the Um, consumer a choice. That would, if you give consumers choices, then they can save a lot of money. But without the information, you know, they're going to hide it and they won't tell you. So it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. Another one here is keep good records. Um, you know, keep a log, a healthcare log, uh, so that you're equipped to fight back in the event of a dispute with your insurer and uh, make sure you keep track of any communication that you have with your insurance company and your doctor. And if needed, you can hire an expert to, to be an advocate. There's a uh, group out there called the Alliance of Claims Assistant Assistance Professionals. And I'll tell you, Tammy is a professional, um, uh, you know, documenter. Yes, she and, um, good for her. We have some things going on right now with a um, with a provider and the insurance company that dates back to December of last year, and it's a couple thousand dollars. And we're like, no, we're not. We've met our deductible, and we can prove it. And there you go. It's still outstanding. But uh, she has great documentation. Yeah, that's that is key. Having good records. Yeah, and then if all else fails, call your regulator. Is the last tip here. You know, if balance billing is illegal in your state. Um, and you receive a, a massive out-of-network bill, um, be sure to reach out to your doctor first, you know, as it could be an error, but then pull your insurer in to help. If neither your doctor nor your insurer will address the issue of the bill, then it's time to contact the regulators, you know, and that means that you should reach out to your state medical board or your state's insurance department. Um, you know, if your insurance plan is self-funded, um, one in which your employer assumes the financial risk of providing the benefits, then you should contact the U.S. Department of Labor uh, Employee Benefits Security Administration. It's a big name, but it's Department <laughs> of Labor. Yes. So um, so there you go. That's some of the ways to curb your medical expenses. One other item that's not on that list is uh, MediShare. You know, we've talked about that before. That's right. I think that's a great alternative. Yeah, that's something you may want to check into. There's um, some providers out there that provide similar services, but much... Uh, much less expensive than the traditional insurance. Yeah, and they I believe they use the largest uh, PPO network in mm-hmm. the country. So, you know, it's pretty much the same. It's like insurance, but it's not exactly insurance, but yet it's it's a lot cheaper. It is. Uh, so, um, yeah. so you need to check into that if you're shopping for insurance. 
And uh, okay, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question is: Should I do? Should I consider doing Roth conversions? And and first of all, Roth conversion is when you take money from an IRA and you you um, you convert it over to a Roth. And when you do that, that's going to be treated uh, as taxable income. So you want to make sure that you're in a good tax bracket. Um, if you're in a twelve percent tax bracket, which you can basically make up to about a hundred and one thousand. That's right. For a, a mar- for a married couple. Married couple. That's right. Um, it may make sense. That's a pretty good good deal 12 percent um yeah it's not a bad deal pretty pretty low compared to history and so forth so it really depends on your your tax situation um kind of your your other resources you also want to be able to pay for that tax bill out of um you know current funds you don't want to take it out of the funds that you're converting so that's right if you convert ten thousand dollars and you're going to owe twelve hundred then you need to have twelve hundred sitting there to pay that tax bill and i think your age makes a difference too you know i mean if you're already retired it may not make a lot of sense to to uh, uh, give up the tax deferral, if you would, and pay those taxes now and convert. There may not be a lot of benefit to it. But if you're young and you can convert in a 12% tax bracket and pay the taxes out of your pocket, you're essentially getting more money into the Roth IRA because you're getting it in after tax. You're getting in there early. Then you have years and decades for it to grow um, tax-free. So that, that that, I think, is a great opportunity. Plus, if you're young... Who knows what the tax rates are going to be thirty years down the road? You know, but if you're already, you don't re- think they're going to be lower? Uh, nah, I kind of doubt it. I think we're pretty <laughs> think right. pretty low. So, uh, particularly if you're a good saver, you know, and you're you're putting away a lot of money. So, <clears throat> all right, great question of the week, and that leads us up to our next topic here, and that is the backup plan. What to do when your retirement savings runs a little short? Yeah, this is an article out of uh, Charles Schwab. Really, really good uh, discussion here, and we'll kind of get into some of these. But when it comes to retirement. Even the best laid plans can sometimes go awry. And, you know, should the market turn against you, for example, or maybe employment opportunities dry up, even the most diligent savers find that they need to stretch their dollars further um, than anticipated. So what are some of the available options to uh, to kind of fall back on? And we'll look at the pros and cons of each. And the first one here is, is save more. And certainly setting aside a greater amount each month is perhaps perhaps the most obvious strategy, um, but by the time you discover a shortfall, it may be too late. And you know, after all, compound interest, which accounts for the the lion's share of many retirement portfolios, it really needs time to work its magic. Um, it, it takes a while for the compound interest to really kick in, and the younger you are, the more that you'll have. That's exactly right. Yeah, and the power of compounding depends on three factors. You know, the first one is how much you save. Second factor is how much you earn on your savings, so what the return is. And the third factor is how long you save and how long you have. So, you know, um, in the longer time frames benefits the other two. So if you put money in early, that's going to beat really, you know, putting it in often. Um, and that's that's one of the points they're making here is you want to put it in as early as possible Obviously, the rate of return is really important, and um, but, but compounding is your biggest your biggest factor. You want to put it in early, get it in there, let it start compounding early. Yeah. So the second one here on the list, Steve, is is risk more. You can be more more risk, uh, take more risk on, and you know the if you do have a loss in in um, you know your your retirement savings. Um, you know, then you can take more risk with your investments and search for greater potential returns. But the correlation between risk and potential reward typically holds true only over the long term. 
And even then, it's not perfect. So you start talking about short-term, taking more risk. It can be dangerous. Now, certainly younger investors who have the luxury of time to ride out the market ups and downs, they may feel you know comfortable holding more volatile assets. But if you decide to embrace risk you know, in your later years in retirement, you should do so with only a fraction of your funds. And um, you know, we suggest setting aside some savings required to pay the necessary expenses and then using a portion of what remains to, to pursue a more aggressive strategy. So you can take a portion of your funds and um, certainly not go out and buy Bitcoin, but you can be more aggressive in the markets, uh, certain sectors that are more aggressive that potentially could give you higher returns. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Next factor here is working longer. Um, you know, most people assume that they'll be able to work longer um, if the retirement savings fall short. And that's a legitimate backup plan, but it's far from foolproof. You know, I mean, for example, you know, health issues or family health issues could creep up and require you to to stop working and not be able to work longer um, or later on in, in retirement. Or, you know, a corporate restructuring could force you out and force you to retire earlier than you anticipate. And it's really difficult to get into the job once you're, you know, 60 years old. So if you consider those factors. Working longer is one of those things that may work out, you know, if you're in the right profession, but it also could might not work out yeah and the the stats support that steve in 2017 about half the retirees left the workforce earlier than they had planned Uh, that's according to the employee benefit research institute Um, and health issues were also um, you know uh, one of the most common reasons cited by 41 percent of those that surveyed while 26 percent said they had a change at their company uh, was the cause. So in other words, if working longer is your sole backup strategy, you may want to have a backup plan for your backup plan because a lot of people actually, you know, they, they're not able to work for various reasons. Half the people, um, they, they left the workforce early. That's exactly right. Yeah. The next uh, uh, factor here, though, is spending less. Um, for most people, cutting expenses is perhaps the, the least desirable option but I can tell you it's probably the most effective option. Mm-hmm. And it's you quick. Know, it's, I mean, the, it's quick. It's one you have total control over. So you, you can't rule that out. You have to look at your spending options and things you can get rid of. You know, But it's also the most common one um, when all else fails. You know, Redefining what is a comfortable retirement looks like is sometimes necessary, um, but it, you know, it, it doesn't have to be draconian um but you but you got to consider you got to look at everything Mm -hmm. determine what's really a want what's a need and what kind of lifestyle do you really want in retirement yeah so so you know if you're married your spouse um maybe you include your accountant or financial advisor you got to look at your expenses figure out which ones are discretionary um which ones aren't and uh if you think you'll need to pare down in the future you got to practice some you know changing some of those spending habits in the present to see if it's possible so uh, certainly wise to do that even, you know, if you don't have a crisis, looking through and seeing if you can reduce some expenses is always a good thing. And sometimes it takes a, a big move, I mean, literally to make ends meet. I mean, maybe you have to relocate to an area with a lower cost of living. Uh, that can sometimes be enough to get you back on track. So maybe maybe selling, uh, you know, if you're up in the northeast, coming down to the southeast uh, would be an example of that. We see people selling homes sometimes and downsizing. downsizing. Yep. yep. It's a great strategy. So as with your principal retirement plan, it's it's really best to begin formulating your backup plan as, as soon as possible. Time truly is your best friend, you know, not just when it comes to investing, but when it also, you know, comes to taking the necessary steps 
to secure a comfortable retirement. And, you know, again, I think, you know, talking uh, and with your financial advisor is a good, good option. Maybe your accountant, maybe you have a lawyer um, that you can, can do some um, conversations with, but having an idea of if something does happen, where are you going to go? What, what kind of steps are you going to take? Yeah, and I just sat down with a, a client here this past weekend, John, and um, looked at, you know, her retirement options and looked at some ways to increase her income in retirement. And, you know, usually the most powerful lever somebody has is working a couple extra years mm-hmm. um, because not only are you saving extra money, you know, you have three things working for you. You're saving extra money during those couple years. You're you're not drawing out of your 401k and your retirement savings during those two years, so that helps. And then you're you're letting your Social Security or your pension grow as well, and that gets larger. So you have three things working in your favor, just working in a couple extra years. So that'll make a huge difference in your retirement plan when you run the retirement numbers and just put in a couple extra years of working. So. You know, look at all your options, but if you can work a couple extra years, I think that might be the easiest lever to pull mm-hmm. to to really make a huge difference in your in your retirement lifestyle. So good topic, and that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Dave Ramsey's podcast this last week, and he actually mentioned this um, prescription as well. And uh, the prescription is 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 to get a will, do some estate planning. Um, you know, we, we lost a couple of weeks ago, the legendary queen of soul, Aretha Franklin, she passed and her estate was valued at, uh, about $80 million. And unfortunately wow. she did not have, uh, she didn't do a plan. She didn't have any trust, um, no will. Wow. Um, so Nothing. they had estimated, right. About $27 million of taxes. I think she's out in California. Um, and you know, so, you know, Wow. I think just having conversations and, and she has four kids. Um, she was not, she didn't have a husband, um, but the four kids now have to go and, and um, approach the court and it's probably going to be drawn out for years. Yeah. I, I mean, and when you don't have a will, there's all kind of relatives that step in and say, oh, but I took care of her. Or I was the one. She told me verbally she was yeah. going to leave me money. You know what I mean? All It brings all kind of questions in the, into the picture when you have somebody that's wealthy that dies. You know, and uh, I mean, just think of all the things that happened whenever James Brown died mm-hmm. and his family got in there and just stretched it out for years and years fighting over all of his assets. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to let that happen. I mean, you think about, you know, Dave Ramsey was talking about who's going to get the royalties to the to her music, the respect song. Exactly. I mean, you know, she didn't have anything written on paper that they can use. So um, your your prescription today is, is you know, get a will, uh, do some estate planning. There's a lot of great lawyers locally that can help you out. There's some things online as well. Um, there's some tools that you can use. There's no reason not to have some estate planning. Yeah, absolutely. You want to make sure your assets go where you want them to go. And that's what estate planning is all about. You know, not many people are going to be affected by the taxes in the states. Because that's that's up to you know eleven million dollars per person now, right. twenty two million dollars a couple, but there's certainly going to be issues about does it go to the right person in the form and the timing that you want. That's what estate planning is about. So make sure you get that done. That's a great prescription of the week. All right, and that leads us up to that's this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one.
This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. A lot of discussion.